Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Great and mighty King. Everybody said praise the Lord. If you have a Bible this morning, let's turn to the book of 1 Timothy. Very good to see each and every one of you, especially those of you that have been out sick. Good to have you back and feeling good. God is a prayer-answering God. We're going to continue to pray for others. We've had some good reports. One this morning said she was ready to go home. Well, God grant it. And then uh, we have a little baby that we've been praying for, Brother Kennedy's granddaughter. And uh, we have received a good report there after we went up and uh, made the trip up there and had prayer for her. Uh, Brother Kennedy called me and he told me that um, the doctor said that they're taking the shunt out of her brain and they're not going to be going to have to put it back in. And he said that in and of itself, he said, is a miracle. And we thank God for that and that uh, she is uh, eating now whole food or a bottle instead of intravenously. So if she continues to be able to eat from the bottle, then she will get to go home. This will be the first time that she'll get to go home. She's been in the hospital since she was born. And so we want to thank God, and I do know that she is approaching six pounds, and from a pound and a half, I'd say that's pretty good. Amen. Maybe she'll have to worry about going on a diet after a while. Who knows? <laughs> All right, everybody said praise the Lord, and everybody said thank you, Jesus. First Timothy chapter 2. All right, and this is First uh, Timothy chapter 2, I'll begin with verse 1. I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and for all them that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. Verse 3, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Once again, you might want to take note, it did say God our Savior. I know of no other Savior other than the one whose name is Jesus Christ. So once again, you might want to keep it in mind that he has all the titles. There is one God, and his name was given to us, and that name is Jesus Christ. Verse 4 is where I particularly would like for you to pay attention this morning. Who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. And everybody said, praise the Lord. All right, you may be seated. You may be seated. Ezekiel, the Old Testament, the prophet, he recorded God's words and sentiment. Ezekiel 18 and 23, he said, Have I any pleasure at all that the wicked should die, saith the Lord God, and not that he should return from his ways and live? So God's making it clear, please kill all of those phones and throw them in a canal or do something. Okay, God bless you. I don't know how I live without mine either, but during God's time, I want to live without my phone. All right. So here we are, and God is making it clear. He has no pleasure in somebody dying. 
meaning most especially meaning spiritually. Being, you know, there are three types of death. There is spiritual death, which is your dying because of sin. Sin is a killer. And, of course, there's physical death when we give up the ghost and this body goes back to the dust from whence it came. And then there's eternal death when we wind up in the wrong place for all of eternity. So we certainly don't want that to happen. And we are all concluded unto sin. All have sinned and all have come short of the glory of God. So we've all experienced spiritual death because we're born in sin and we're shapen or misshapen in iniquity or lawlessness. It's in our nature to uh, be wild by nature and be sinful by nature. So we, uh, we all in the same boat when it comes to that. In other words, we all need God our Savior. We all need what He has provided for us. And so here, He's making His intentions clear. We don't, there are so many times that people misinterpret the Scriptures or they misinterpret what God, what His intention is, what He wants, what He's thinking. And the enemy aids and abets that. He adds to it. He, he's going to make you believe God's a bad dude and that he's out to get you. And, and he sees all of your bad doings and that he's just standing over you every day berating you about you did it wrong, you said it wrong, you thought it wrong, you acted wrong, and now you're going to pay the price. You know, Well, that's not what your Bible teaches, and this is what the Lord is saying. He says, have I any pleasure at all that the wicked should die? That's not God's plan. God's plan is for people to come to the knowledge of the truth, to be saved. He has made a way here. He, uh, matter of fact, He is the way. But uh, He has made this Himself available. He has made Himself being the way, the truth, and the life. He has made Himself available to every man, woman, boy, and girl. People from every country and every race and every language, he has made himself available. When, when he chose, get this now, your Bible teaches it, when he chose to come in the flesh, the invisible chose to come visibly, okay? And what was visible was that which was produced through Mary. And she brought forth the flesh. That's why your Bible said, and I would like to read it for you uh, once again. I know it's probably very familiar. And that is in John chapter 3 and verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave. Now that's the first order of business. God's in the given business, okay? That he gave his only begotten son. That means that's a reference to the flesh. So get this now and think of it this way. For God's soul, or for the Spirit, because John 4 and 24 said God is a Spirit. For the Spirit so loved the world that He gave His only begotten flesh. Okay? That whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son, or the Spirit sent not His flesh into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. This is God's intention. God wants people to be saved. He wants them to be delivered from sin, first and foremost, and along with that, he wants you to be delivered from that devil's hell. 
Hell was not created for you. Hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. So you don't want to be with him. You want to be with God. And God is making it clear that he has pulled out all the stops. He's gone to the furthest extent here. That he being a spirit and invisible. No man has seen him at any time, neither can see him. But he made it possible through the flesh for there to be a visible manifestation or showing, a clear showing of himself. The spirit came in the flesh. And everybody said amen. Amen. All right. So the invisible became visible. And what they saw, felt, handled, and touched was the flesh or the son. The only begotten Son. He only did this one time. Okay? He spoke one time the Son into existence. He spoke one time the moon, as far as we're concerned, our moon, into existence. And He did the stars. And He did the heavens. And He did everything that He did. Here we are now. And He chose now to make this flesh. To have this flesh come through Mary. Because he spoke the word, just as he spoke the Son into existence and everything else. So he spoke that flesh into existence by speaking the word over Mary. That's why your Bible said that which was conceived in her was of his Holy Spirit. And everybody said amen. Amen. All right. So God who speaks things into existence, he spoke that flesh into existence. And that's why after the due course of nature, Mary brought forth that babe that flesh. And then the angel had already made it clear, thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. So, clear intention here. God wants you to be saved. He made a plan. He made a way. He made it easy to understand if you're in a believing frame of mind. If you can start to believe God. Now listen again to John. Uh, 3 and 18, he said, He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So it's very important that a person begins to believe. You want to believe what the Scripture is teaching. You want to believe the Word of the Lord as it is put out there for you. And understand that there are 66 books here, Genesis to Revelation. There are 1,189 chapters. And understand that there's close to 800,000 words in the King James Version of the Bible. But you've got to get the knowledge of this truth. The truth is there. And we've got to get ourselves in a position here that we're saying, Okay, Lord, I'm going to start believing what you're saying. Uh, I don't want the Lord to say, are you hearing me? I want Him to know I'm developing an ear to hear what the Spirit has to say. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. And everybody said, Praise the Lord. So for you and I to begin to believe what He's saying. That's why it is written also, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. If you're not believing, then you're not going to get baptized. Okay? And, and uh, that can be also proven out because there are depths to believing. There are depths of sincerity. We are told to serve the Lord in truth and sincerity. You've got to be real about this thing. 
There are people that can put on a front and go through certain things to uh, give people the impression that they're believing. But you see, God is in control. That's why when Philip went down to Samaria, Philip, one of the seven helpers, one of those that uh, was making sandwiches and pouring drinks for the neglected widow women at the body of Christ, the church in Jerusalem, having done his job well and receiving the recommendation of the apostles in the church, then he is sent down to Samaria, a place that was to, people were despised and looked down on. And God said, I'm going to show you that I'm the Savior and that I'm interested in everybody. So he takes Philip and goes down to Samaria where he begins to preach Christ unto them. There's no stumbling for Philip. He knew exactly what his ministry was to be. I've got to tell them about Jesus. I've got to get them baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then I need God to fill them with the gift of the Holy Ghost as we pray for them. And that's what took place. And as it said that Philip had gotten to the place where he had baptized the whole entire city. Even, the Bible said, Simon the sorcerer, who before time had everybody bewitched with his drug ministry and all the other stuff he had going on there. And they were bewitched by him and under his spell and believing the things he was saying. But now the truth has come to town. Philip has come preaching Jesus Christ and him crucified. And he didn't come with man's wisdom, as the Apostle Paul said, but he came in the power and the demonstration of the Holy Ghost. Lives were being changed for the good. The devil was being put on the run. And people were rejoicing and exceedingly happy. Only though, the Bible said, they were baptized. And that's it. That's it. That's all that had taken place so far. They were born again of water. But we hadn't seen the outpouring of the Spirit yet. So the church sends down two of the apostles. And the two senior men come down to this town, Samaria. And they begin to lay hands on them because only they were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Necessary, yes. Required, yes. But that's not the whole package here. You've got to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And so that's when Simon watched and beheld and he saw them laying hands on them and God was confirming the word that the Holy Ghost was coming into a believing heart and God was confirming this one is truly believing and he began to be filled with the Holy Ghost and speak with another language as the Spirit gave the utterance or in other words in other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance and God was confirming and confirming and confirming But when it came time for Simon, Simon said, hey, I've got a a bankroll here. Let me give you money and let me have this power. Let me buy this power. Let me commercialize it. Let me bottle it. I could really be rich here. Let me turn this into a big time business. I'll give you money. Let me buy the patent on this thing. And so that's when Peter said, your heart is not right in the sight of God. Now the scripture recorded that Simon had believed. Lots of people uh, can show to a certain degree and depth, but some are on the surface and some are just a little bit beneath that and, and then some fall among the thorns. But that good and honest heart is what God's looking for. And he, that's why you want to make a very good repentance. The Bible is telling you, everybody, to repent and not to uh, uh, perish. He wants you to realize that's the first order of business. If Jesus is telling you, and not if, but when, In the Word of God, Jesus is telling you to repent, and you don't do it, then you're not believing Him. 
It's as simple as that. If he tells you to do something and it's in his word and it's subject matter and it's right, then you should do it. And in not doing it, you're demonstrating a spirit of unbelief. All right? So when people argue the scripture but want to claim to be saved, then we've got a little problem there. And that's what happened with Simon the sorcerer. He was claiming to believe, but he was very shallow in his believing. He was really just trying to, his motive was shown for what it was. Your heart's not right in the sight of God and that you're in the bond of iniquity or lawlessness and you're, in, and you're filled with bitterness in your life. You're not doing this right and you're getting off on the wrong foot. You're trying to convince us that you're believing, but God is showing that you're not believing. And and that's where your Bible is telling you there's some steps here that are biblical that you've got to make. If he's telling you to repent and you do it, then you're showing that you're beginning to believe. Okay? And as you then do what the Scripture said and get baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission or the full pardon of your sins, then again, you are demonstrating the sincerity or the depth of your believing, at which point, if your heart, if you will put it before God, and He reads in you that you are truly believing in Him and on Him, then He's going to fill you with the gift of the Holy Ghost, confirming, confirming that you are truly believing. God is the one that's in control here. And man wants to take away that control from God through religion. And man wants to substitute the outpouring of God's Spirit and the move of God wants to substitute that with cards to sign, hands to shake, with religion and all kinds of ideas of man that they make up and that people get mesmerized and taken with. But it takes people away from, how is it written in the Scripture? They have forsaken the right way. It's up to you and I to stay the course. We've got to stay with what God has taught. We've got to stay with the apostles' doctrine. Jesus gave it to them to give to everybody else. And from the very beginning of Acts chapter 2, this way to write this split second universally all over the world, this truth from the church is being brought to people everywhere just like you right now. And that it's up to you to develop a believing attitude for you to start saying, I'm going to believe what he's saying. I'm not going to hold to my own tradition or anybody else's tradition. I'm going to get in the Word of God and I'm going to believe it. I'm going to put my finger on the chapter and verse and I'm going to do what it says. It tells me to repent, I'm going to do that. It tells me to be baptized in His name, which is above every name, the name of Jesus Christ. I'm going to do that. And it tells me that I will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I'm going to do that. Amen. 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 And somebody like, I had a bank president say to me, uh, he said, well, he read Acts 2.30, he asked me, so I told him. And uh, he might not loan me any money anymore, but that's okay. We'll let God take care of that. He'll open another door. Uh, and he flipped, he turned around and reached into his credenza behind his desk and pulled out his Bible. And he said, well, well, well what about John 3.16? He said, what about? It's a nice verse. It's a good verse. I believe it. It doesn't contradict anything. You know, that's like saying, well, what about grace? Well, what about it? Grace is a, is a great subject in the Bible. And we wouldn't have anything if it wasn't for God's grace. We wouldn't have the fact of the matter that we have an opportunity to come and repent. 
It's by His grace, His favor, His blessing, His benevolence that He's extending. Or what He say, all day long have I stretched forth mine arms. It's figuratively speaking, but He's trying to make a point to you that you can comprehend. And He's got His arms out here everlastingly, and He's saying, come on. I want you. I have no pleasure in you dying. I have no pleasure in you being disobedient and winding up in the in an unbelieving grave and a and a, a terrible eternal death. I have no pleasure in that whatsoever. How did he say it in another place? Why will you die, O Israel? Why, in other words, will you forsake my way? Why will you turn your back on me? Why will you ignore? Why will you stop up your ears as they did to Stephen as he read them their history and trying to make them understand? How many had done it wrong? Don't follow their example. Get on the right path. Let's follow the example of Peter and James and John. Mary, the mother of the flesh and the other devout women. Let's get on the right path and let's stay with the right path. Let's go in the right direction and not forsake it. You know, the Bible teaches uh, that the Lord tells the church that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. Somebody said that to me this morning. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. Make sure that you don't forsake Him. Okay? You want God to be right there when you call upon Him in your moment of distress and your difficulty. Okay? You want Him to answer your prayer. You want Him to do the things that you feel you need Him to do. Well, don't you forsake Him then. Because if you want Him to be hanging around, then you better be hanging around too. (laughs) And everybody said amen. Give God a big hand. Come on now. Amen and amen. To believe your good word of God, it's there to encourage you. Now, when you you deal with uh, coming to the New Testament, and remember that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the four accounts of the one gospel. And they are written showing you the end of the time of the law. The law was coming to an end. And and it was going to begin that time of grace, that time of blessing, that time of favor, that the Lord was going to favor this world with the only begotten Son, that whosoever would believe in that man, Christ Jesus, that he being the mediator between the Spirit and us, that he being the man, the flesh, that they could handle, see, and feel, and touch, that he was going to give that life on the cross. He said, I have power to lay it down. I have power to raise it up. Nobody takes it from me. This is being done willingly. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane, and his flesh is being an example. He is fighting all kinds of spirits and attitudes, and I could have been fishing today. Hmm. I could have I could have been at a barbecue today. I could have been doing so many things, but not my will, thy will be done. He's showing his disciples that you've got to die to the flesh. You've got to put the spirit in the in the control here. And don't you ever buy one of those tags. I hope I'm not going to catch anybody right now. Don't you buy one of those tags that said God is my co-pilot because you're going to wreck. You better let God be what he is and that's the pilot. Amen. And everybody said praise the Lord. All right. <laughs> Amen. You you might want to hope that you qualified to be the co-pilot. <laughs> Maybe he'll train you good enough to get let you have the the controls for a little while, okay? And you got to you got to prove yourself for that before the before the commander in chief hands things over to you. You got to prove yourself. You can't forsake him. You've got to be right there. You got to be true and you got to be faithful. You've got to be loyal into the things that he said. You cannot forsake 
the right way. You've got to stay on this path. You've got to stay with the chapter and verse. You don't wake up one morning like so many have because you had too much Taco Bell and you had a bean dream and all of a sudden you're going to do it a different way. You're going to get yourself in a wreck. Is it not written about some? By name, Hymenius and Philetus, how that they made shipwreck concerning the faith. They forsook the faith. They forsook the right way. You've got to tell yourself there is a right way. There is a combination that opens the safe and brings to you all of the goodness and the glory of God starting with the salvation of God. It's not just any old way, any old thing. There is a way. There is a path. And it's, the Bible talked about the path of the just and that it shines more and more unto that perfect or complete day. We have to realize that God is the law giver and that He chose something and He set something in motion. And when He absolutely allowed that flesh to die on the cross because the flesh died first to the flesh. <laughs> and that's why He prayed, not my will, but thy will be done. That old flesh had to die and not want to go to that to that uh, fishing tournament or or that barbecue that day. But he need, you need to start heading to Jerusalem. You've got to give yourself on that cross. You are the lamb. You are the sacrifice. And, and as he made it clear, crystal clear to Peter and the others, if I don't go do what I've got to do, and you keep uh, trying to tempt me, get behind me, Satan. He said, you keep on trying to tempt me. He said, you're going to mess it up for everybody for generations to come. I'm not for this purpose have I come. That's why I came in the flesh. That's why I'm doing the things I'm doing. And that's why I'm going to steadfastly set my face towards Jerusalem. And when they try to pull me to the left, I'm not going to go. When they try to pull me to the right, I'm not going to forsake the right path. I'm going to stay on the path and stay the course. I'm going to the cross. I'm going to give my flesh, my life on that cross. And when the Spirit withdraws to my flesh, cries out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Then I'm going to give it up. And when I give it up, it's going to be finished. And when it's finished, it's just going to start for you. It's going to start for the church. It's going to start for the body of Christ. I'm going to pour out my Spirit as it is written. And everybody, whosoever will, can come and take freely of the waters of life. Everybody said amen. amen. And I tell you, people would like, the devil would like for you to believe that you've just been so bad. Well, feel good right now because Paul got you beat. <clears throat> and he became the Apostle Paul because he said he was the chiefest of sinners. You don't want to argue with him because he demonstrated he's very good at that debating stuff, we'll call it, so to speak. He can lay it out there for you. And uh, as one writer said, some things which are hard to be understood according to the wisdom that was given unto the Apostle Paul. And he said, yeah, and that wisdom and those abundance of revelations, the Apostle Paul said, that's what got me this thorn in the flesh, a messenger from Satan, because God said, i got to keep you humble. <laughs> like the way I got rid of that H for you? That's the old way of saying it, right? Humble. Amen. Everybody said hallelujah. So he said he was the chiefest of sinners. He held the raiment of those that stoned the people of God. He compelled others to blaspheme. And he had to live with that, with the knowledge and the conscience that he had done that. And yet now, God has absolutely brought him to the knowledge of the truth. Who art thou, Lord? I'm Jesus. You're fighting me. You're going to lose. Got it? 
Okay, what will you have me to do? I want you to go to a street called Straight. I want you to go to a certain house. Now, this, this kind of stuff, people, flesh doesn't like this because it's being told what to do, what it must do, and that's the wording that was used, and, and exact exactness to it. It wasn't any old which way you want to do it. You're going to a certain street called Straight. Or do you want it straight? You're going to go to a certain house. Okay? And there's somebody coming to pray for you. And we're going to get rid of that blindness you right now are experiencing. And that's what happened. And when they sent the preacher over there, the Holy Ghost sent the preacher over there, and he came in and saw what he was told, that he's, he's there praying, got him all under control, and you just go in there and lay, he's waiting for you to lay hands on him. And so the preacher went in and said, why are you dragging around? Why tarriest thou? Now you might want to ask yourself that too. Because he said, why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized. Don't run me over now. Arise and be baptized. Every, every one of you, yes. <laughs> he said, why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized. Calling upon the name of the Lord. And so Paul got baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And the Bible said that Paul said, I thank God I spake in tongues more than y'all. He got a case of it, friend. I want you to know, and we do believe in getting drunk. It just has to be on new wine. has to be on the Holy Ghost. And everybody said amen. amen. That's the only kind of intoxication that you want to have from now on if you'll make a good repentance. You just want to get intoxicated on something that's constructive, that will do good things in your life. You don't want to get involved with the kind of stuff that this world is producing. It's going to destroy you. Hear me? It's going to destroy your liver. It's going to destroy your, your ability to think right and to make good judgment and to do your job properly. There's going to be so many things that alcohol and drugs will destroy in your life. It's going to destroy your family if you've got one. It's going to mess you up and you'll wind up uh, going in the catacombs in the dead ends of life and nobody will be able to really do anything with you. No, you want to get what they, when they looked at the church and saw them speaking in tongues and glorifying God and giving out the wonderful works of God and the mockers, those that were there mocking. There's always going to be those that are going to mock and make fun and poke fun. And they said, these men are drunk. And Peter stepped up and said, they're not drunk like you think they are. You notice he didn't say they weren't drunk. He just said, they're not drunk like you think they are. Okay? Because they've been taking in new wine. Okay? New wine because they've made a good repentance. You've got to have a good repentance so you can hold the new wine. If you don't change the outside here, in other words, the repentance and get rid of sin and cut it off and change your mind about things, he's saying then if you put the new wine in the old bottle, it's going to burst. In other words, you're not going to put this good Holy Ghost new wine in something old. You've got to start the new going here. You've got to start repenting of your sin and of your lifestyle and of your attitude. And all of those things that you know are wrong about you and in your heart. And believe me, God will be listening because He'll tell you things you forgot about. And He'll get you to cough them up and repent of that real good. And everybody said amen. amen. Give God a big hand. Well, I'm telling you God's intentions here. Now God, He said, he has, He's making it clear. He has no pleasure in them that die. There's no pleasure for God in people that are lost. God does not want you to be lost. He's making that clear. He wants all men to be saved. And everybody said amen. 2 Peter 3 and 9. 
The Lord is not slack concerning His promise. Now, i got a lot of people in town that are slack concerning their promise. I promise I'm coming to church. I hadn't I walked in that door yet. i got one man that's about 30 years now and going. Okay? He said, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us where God has been waiting on some of us for a long time. Okay, and you better be glad he's so long-suffering because you could be six feet under. That's your body. Your spirit will be a lot further down than that. Not willing that any should perish. God is not willing, did you hear that, that any should perish. It is not God's will for you to be lost. Jesus made it clear on the cross, going to the cross, he's, or telling them about going to the cross. He said that I will prepare a place for you. Okay? I go to prepare a place for you. What he was talking about was he's going to go to Calvary. He's going to give his life on that cross as the lamb, as a sacrifice, and consequently he makes a place for you in the church, in the body of Christ. You have a reserved parking spot. Okay? You have right for you. It's yours in, in, in God's big plan. He's got a place for your name on the Lamb's Book of Life. You've got to fulfill that. You've got to make sure that you get in your pocket spot. And the only way you're going to get in that place for you in the body of Christ is for you to repent of your sins, to be baptized in Jesus' name, and to be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And, from, and that's what's going to save you, and it's going to keep you in that parking place that's reserved for you, that place, that place in the body where you're supposed to be, okay? And if you do that and you stay saved, then that's your place. And there's nobody else can take your place. What did it say of the traitor, Judas Iscariot? He went to his own place. I don't want my own place. I want the place that God has for me. I want that place that He's made for me and for me only. I don't want Him to find that empty in that day. I don't want to forsake the right way, okay? So, once again, the Lord is not slack concerning His promises, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And all should come to water baptism in Jesus' name. And all should come to receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. It's a plan that God has ordained, okay? Does the plan start with grace? Of course it does. It's for by grace you saved through faith. Of course there's faith involved. I told you that. If God's saying it and you're not believing it, then you're not having faith. But if He's saying it and you're doing it, then you're showing faith. I'm believing what you're saying. I have faith in what you're saying. I have confidence in what you're saying. Okay? So when He's saying to me, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Well, that means i got to repent or I'm going to perish. But he's telling me if I'll believe and have faith in what he's saying, that I won't perish. I'll have everlasting life. So it, it comes down to you and I. It comes down to us making this right choice here about what he's saying. And saying what an opportunity I am being given. It it's even could be referred to as a heavenly or eternal opportunity. That you are given this chance that for God who wants to do this for you, for little old you and little old me. But I've been so bad. Yeah, he knows that. 
But he's trying to look up and not look down, if you please. Some people are always, you know, just down and lower lip on the ground like a vacuum cleaner, just taking up the dirt. When God is trying to get you to lift up your eyes, lift up your head, lift up your heart, lift up your hands in the name that's above every name. He's trying to get you to look up. God wants you to be down. He doesn't want you to be depressed. He doesn't want you to be lonely and lost. He wants you to be happy. Wants you to rejoice. Amen. He wants you to be saved. Okay? He's making that crystal clear to you. And I'm telling you, the devil wants to paint the enemy, wants to paint God to be the enemy when it's just the other way around. God is your friend, God is your savior. God is, is everything you have need of. It's the, it's the devil himself who is the enemy. And he brings confusion. All the ills in life. And people, the devil will get it all the time, twist it and spin it, and get people to blame. Why did God let this? Why God let that? You better tell yourself who is doing all the bad stuff. And that is the enemy, okay? And that's why he got kicked right out of heaven. Because he forsook the right way. He left the right way of doing things. He left the way that God prepared and, and, and trained him to do as an archangel, as a guardian of God's throne. And he messed up and he, Jesus said he had no truth in him from the beginning and it showed itself. And when it showed itself, Michael and his angels threw out the devil and his angels, but woe unto us because he came to planet earth and we've had to contend and deal with him. But the problem is that a lot of people don't recognize who's doing it and how he's doing it. But he's doing it through every trick. And that's why you're told when you get born again, that is born again of water, baptized in Jesus' name, born again of the Spirit, filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, places you in the body of Christ, then from that point on, you have an opportunity to be in the, have the knowledge of the truth, that you get that knowledge in you, and getting that knowledge of the truth, then you can begin to see clearly, not only God, but you can begin to see the enemy of your soul. And there is a war for your soul. The war that broke out in heaven, friend, hasn't ended, okay? That war has not ended. He just relocated down here, and he's continuing the war for your soul. And he's never satisfied. Death and, and the grave are never satisfied. Hell is never satisfied. And all of those things are of the devil, and he is never satisfied. You couldn't give him enough. He, and most especially, he wants people who know the way and who have the knowledge of the truth. He wants those people. He wants them to forsake what's right. He wants them to leave the truth and go back to the wrong things. And God said, I have no pleasure in that at all. No pleasure in that at all. That's not my will, is what he's saying. My will is that nobody should perish. That all should come to the knowledge of the truth. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. And everybody said, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Alright, let's stand together. Come on, let's give the Lord a big hand. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. You want to you wanna get it crystal clear that God is in the saving business. Okay? He made it clear. He said, if you'll start believing, then you won't be condemned. Isn't that nice? Now, remember, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, and he that believeth not shall be damned. That's condemned. Same thing. It's a synonymous term. 
So you don't want to find yourself with the with the death sentence hanging over your head here when the Lord is is trying to to save you. The Lord is trying to deliver you from sin and from a devil's hell. The Lord has absolutely got his arms stretched out and he's all day long He's talking to you all day long. He's tugging you. And sometimes you're listening and sometimes you're not. Sometimes you feel the pull and you feel like I should respond to what's going on. And then here comes that old devil and wants you to put it off another service, a different day, and all that kind of stuff. You better tell yourself, I need to act now. I need to respond favorably now. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't know what's going to happen even later today. I've got to do what I know God is saying. I I should do. He's not asking me to run up there and shake a hand. He's telling me to repent of my sins and get baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ and that He's going to give me the gift of the Holy Ghost. He's going to give me the gift of eternal life. Amen. Let's lift our hearts with our hands and let's worship Him. Come on. Yes, Lord. Come on. Lord, you are good and yes, you are. Oh, yes. Lord, you are 